one of the conundrums that you face when you're building a marketplace is you kind of almost have to bet, um, am I a marketplace or am I a SaaS business? There's very few uh, examples of people doing it well uh, at the same time. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Brian Clayton. He's the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 100,000 active users completing thousands of transactions per day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree Inc., one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. Brian, you ready to take us to the top? Hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, how many times has Lucid tried to buy GreenPal? <laughs> well, it took about two years to get that first deal done, uh, but they were the best fit and that's why we worked with them. I love that. All right, let's jump into GreenPal. So I want to dive into the first metric you gave. So uh, what does it mean when you say 100,000 active users completing thousands of transactions per day? What's a user? Yep. What's a transaction? So for us, users are homeowners, people who need their grass cut, uh, like consumers on the multi-sided marketplace. And so these are people that come onto the platform to get their grass cut. And then on the flip side, if service providers, we have about 10,000 of those guys and gals that use the platform to run their business. Okay, so 10K service providers, um, the user is the homeowner. So we clearly understand the marketplace now. Help us understand sort of scale today. So the last full month of business, how many homeowners paid at least one of your service providers to do some sort of work? Yeah, right now we're actually over 100,000 people actively using the platform to get their grass cut. Oh, wow. So what that means is last month in in September of 2020, you had 100,000 homeowners pay to get their grass cut at least once. That's right. That's incredible. Okay, take me back to day one. When did you launch the company? Yeah, so... Uh, rewinding, my first company was a traditional landscaping company that I grew from just myself and a push mower to over 125 people. So I spent 15 years in the landscaping business, understanding how that business worked and growing from zero revenue to 10 million in revenue. So when I sold that business in 2013, I saw what Uber was doing for ride sharing, what Lyft was doing for ride sharing. And so then I decided, okay, GreenPal needs to exist. Recruited two co-founders and we just started hacking on the project, passed out like 100,000 door hangers and Got the thing going in the, <laughs> in the summer of 2013 and just kept grinding and hustling on it to now where we have hundreds of thousands of people using it. How many door hangers? 
golly, like over a hundred thousand. I got bit by a dog. Uh, and <laughs> in, in, in the summer of 2013, we just sweated it out and just hustled up a few first few hundred people to use it. And then after that, we started getting feedback. Uh, we started talking to people, understanding, okay, this is where we're actually adding value. This is where we're not adding value. And we just kept using that user feedback to drive how we built the product. That's incredible. Okay. So tell me first about your co-founders. How did you find them? And did you guys decide to just split the company 33, 33, 33, or were you like, listen, I just sold my company. I'm bringing cash to the table. I own majority. Yeah. So the two co-founders I recruited were just lifelong friends of mine. So they were people that I could trust people that I knew wanted to work hard, people that I knew wanted to start a business. And so that's really what I was optimizing for in those early days was who can I trust? Who will I know stay in the trenches with me and and gut this thing out? The problem was none of us had any uh, technology background. None of us knew how to build software. None of us knew how to design software. None of us knew how to market and distribute software. So we while we came to the equation with hustle and we came to the equation with domain experience, we didn't have any of those other things. And so we had to really kind of retool and reinvent ourselves as business owners, as entrepreneurs, and, and start learning how to write code, how to, how to design, how to market. And, and so that took several years uh, in the early days of just trial and error, figuring out how to do this stuff. And you know, six, seven days a week of, of while working in the product and, and working on the business and also learning the skills that we needed to learn to actually execute. So did you guys split it evenly? 33, 33, 33? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wow. For today, so we have three owners of the business and we have no outside investors. So we have a very clean cap table and, and we are all third owners in the, in the company. That's great. So you've raised no capital for the company. So you totally bootstrapped. That's right. Yeah. So oh, man, the love first that. version that we launched, we actually paid a development shop in Nashville around like 140 grand to build the first version of GreenPal. And it was a total flop, total failure. Uh, it didn't get any sort of traction, but we learned a lot of hard lessons, uh, launching that first version. And that was all of our own money that we brought to the table to, to breathe the business to life. And, uh, we've been bootstrapped ever since. Uh, for us, um, we believe that that revenue is the best form of financing there is. I, I agree with that, Brian. There's a lot of founders listening right now getting started wondering if they should pay a similar agency a hundred grand to get their MVP launched. And they're wondering, what do I got to watch out for? What did you learn from that money? It basically went down the drain. It sounds like. Yeah, it did. Uh, we learned really quick that if we wanted to be in the technology business, we needed to be able to build and execute and, and distribute technology. And so it was a really hard lesson for us to learn. If I could have done it again, I just would have like bypassed that step altogether. And I, I would have just start, started day one learning the skills that we needed to learn to, to literally learn how to code. Literally learn how to code. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and, and I think even like you need to have those skills in-house. It needs to be part of your core competency as if you want to be a tech startup. You need to be able to, to build and distribute technology. That's just table stakes. I under-indexed on that in the early days. I really felt like that I knew the business inside and out, that we would pay a shop to build this thing. We would market it and we would just be off to the races. And that's not how it worked. Um, we came to the equation with a bunch of uh, uh, untested assumptions that didn't turn out to be true. And so we had to really rebuild this thing like, like 20 times in the last six years. And so having to having the ability to do that in-house is really, really table stakes for, for, in my opinion, for any kind of tech startup. I just find it fascinating that you went through that. Any of you guys watching the YouTube video, you see what I'm looking at here. I mean, Brian, his biceps are popping out of his Green Pal logo t-shirt. His chest is huge. He's got a slight tan, which means he's outside a ton. He's bit by dogs. And oh, by the way, he taught himself to code in his free time. Uh, it, Brian, it's shocking to me you have the motivation to do that, especially considering you just exited a company. So you could probably afford to pay anyone any amount of money to do what you needed. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, after selling that first business, uh, it freed me up to kind of do what I wanted to do. And so I no longer had to go work a business or do a job. I was kind of financially independent. And so, uh, but I didn't also didn't want to sink all that money back into this other unproven business. And so yeah. uh, it was, it was really, uh, it was hard. It took a lot of discipline to not take the easy way out. But, uh, for me personally, my businesses have always been kind of the, uh, forcing function for my own personal growth and developments. Um, and that's one thing I noticed when I sold my first company was I became lackadaisical. I got sloppy, I got fat. Uh, and it was kind of funny that like for me, my business is the vehicle for my own personal growth and to be like tuned and to be smart and to like always constantly be getting better and better and better in all aspects of my life. So it was the thing that caused me to have to force myself to learn how to do this stuff. Looking back six, seven years later, I'm so glad I did because now I'm a completely different person than, than I was uh, starting this company. And that's one thing I love about business is that it, it causes you to level up as a human being. Yep. Let's go back to the business. It's a marketplace model. Marketplaces are two-sided. You send out 100,000 door hangers, you get your first 100 customers that way, but you got to have people to mow the lawns. Were you the first, were you basically filling the need on the other side of the marketplace until you found other people that could mow lawns that you could basically bring on as service providers? Yeah, great question. In a marketplace, you've got this chicken and egg problem. Everybody knows that. And so for us, the way that we solved it was, was just sheer hustle, dialing for dollars. We, we, found, uh, we figured out that we could call every advertiser on Craigslist on Sunday when they weren't mowing yards and actually get like five seconds of their attention and kind of pitch them on the idea to use GreenPal. And then the thing that kept them around in the early days was I gave free consulting uh, to people on how to run their lawn mowing business, how to grow their lawn mowing business. Because I, I know that. I, I know that innately uh, how, to, how to be successful in the lawn care business. And so I would give free consulting to like the first 500 service providers that used our platform as a way to kind of be like the honey and the glue uh, to keep their attention in the early days when the product was just got awful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, develop, developing that early relationship with them allowed me to kind of keep their attention to where we had the service providers that homeowners could hire off the shelf, so to speak. And then also learn from them about uh, the things that I didn't know, like where the product really sucked and where we needed to improve. So for us, like that, that, that user feedback constantly coming in like a river has is, is just been core to our success. Even to this day with hundreds of thousands of users, we're able to always be using user feedback to grow and, and make the product better and better and better. So to be clear, you would go on a Craigslist and you would see someone that said, hey, hire me to cut your lawn. They were paying for ads. You would click the ad. You'd get their phone number. You'd call them and say, hey, you should use GreenPal to get more business instead of, you know, in addition to Craigslist ads. And oh, by the way, I just sold a company called Peachtree. I can help you consult to grow your business in the landscaping world. That's how you built the relationship. Do that 500 times. First 500 lawn cutters, service providers on your platform. Bingo. That's exactly how we, yeah. And now to this day, you know, we have, we have, over 10,000 service providers. So we, we have a, a more automated approach to it. And we have a little bit of mind share in the landscaping business. If you mow yards, odds are you know about GreenPal. So we have more of an of a, of a inbound strategy to today. But in the first day, in the early days, when we had to manufacture that momentum, that was how we got the attention and, and, and framed the proposition to these folks to, to try out the product. In September of 2020, you said there was 100,000 homeowners that paid at least a dollar to a service provider to get a lawn you know, cut. How many of your 10K service providers in September of 2020 made at least a dollar through your platform? So in as of right now, we have 10,000 active service providers. Now, some of them are only doing one yard a week. Some of them are doing several hundred. So uh, our sweet spot is if you, uh, let's say you're mowing 10 yards a week and you want to get to 100 yards, that's where we can really add value. The really big companies that are doing like 
like four or five crews out there mowing yards. We don't really add a lot of value because they already have their systems, but it's a smaller service provider that's doing a handful that wants to do, uh, wants to do this full time. That's how we get them from here to here. So just to be clear, in September of 2020, all 10,000 service providers made at least a dollar through your That's platform, right. doing one to hundreds of lawns per month. That's right. Fascinating. Okay, let me then ask a different question. I'm curious what portion of your full marketplace is quote unquote active monthly. So if you look at all of your signups since 2013, how many total service providers have signed up relative to the 10,000 that are active? Yeah, so we add about 40 or 50 a day. So roughly 70% have entered the year with us. And so they're legacy users. We don't like to scale the supply side too much because then you have, you have too many people at the party. So we kind of have to throttle it and we kind of have to be careful, especially on a market by market basis. There are some places where we desperately need service providers, but there's other places where we really don't. And so we kind of have to, we, we have to be really careful about, we don't let on too many in some, some markets and we get just the right amount between the delicate balance between supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So how many total service providers have you had sign up over the past seven years? Oh, I don't, I don't really know that number. It's okay. probably somewhere around 20 to 30,000. Um, okay. if, if, if a, a service provider comes onto the platform and they are able to get five or 10 yards in their first month, they stick around. If they're not, if we're not able to drive them that they then flush out. Yep. Okay. So, so wait, say that one more time. Sorry. So if they can get five or 10 yards in their first month, then they stick around, they run their business on the platform. If they don't, uh, then they lose interest and then they don't, they don't use the, the software anymore. Oh, smart. Same question on the homeowner side. How many total homeowners have signed up over the past seven years? Roughly 500,000, 600,000 uh, have tried the product. And to this day, we're able to retain around 100,000 of them to continue using it. Interesting. When you say tried, does that mean they just put an email address in it or they actually paid someone to do one lawn cut? They've actually paid. That's what we consider active uh, oh, wow. because we don't really like to look at, you know, vanity metrics. Um, we get a lot of people to just look for free quotes. And that's and that's kind of the value proposition to the homeowners. They can sign on and in less than a minute, they'll get five bids from lawn mowing services nearby them. They can read over reviews and pick the one they want to work with. But we don't actually ring them up as an active user until they paid somebody. I got that. So now monthly active, about 100,000 active homeowners getting paying for at least one lawn cut. That's right. Yeah. Okay, this is great. I think I fully understand the marketplace. We haven't talked about the one thing, though, that makes the whole thing work. Money. So, right? so, so walk us through an average transaction. I'm using you. I get a quote to cut my lawn for $100. Who gets what of the cut? Yeah, so we take a very small transaction fee, 5% of all of the money that comes through the platform. So the vendor keeps, gets to keep 95% of all the money they make. Now, they still have to pay the, uh, the credit card processing on top of that. But we keep 5% to run the platform. We also have some, some additional tools that service providers uh, can, can upgrade to if they want to, uh, such as like some routing tools. And there's some other things that we're building into the future to make uh, to where they can operate their entire business on the software. And so there's some, there is like kind of a SaaS play there. But for, for the majority of the revenue, it's, it's the uh, small transaction fee. For the homeowner, what the price they see is the price they pay. There's no additional fees. Uh, there's no like additional uh, upgrades or anything like that. They pay what they see on, on their quote. Now, after that first lawn mowing goes well, then they can book them for lawn mowing for the rest of the season. And they can also add on additional services like shrub pruning, mulch, seeding, uh, fertilizing, things like that. And so we, we also get a 5% uh, fee for that as well. 
Yep. Okay. That makes sense. And give me a sense of monthly. So, so average sort of transaction value through your system is about what size? Um, for the, for lawn mowing, it's usually around 50 bucks. Okay. Got it. So, I mean, can I take a hundred thousand homeowners like times 50 bucks? You guys processed $5 million in transactions in September, somewhere around yeah, that, there. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good ballpark. Okay. Got it. Um, the SAS product you just mentioned, have you started charging anything for that yet? Or that's still on the roadmap? Yeah, it's still on the roadmap. We have some beta users using it. Uh, we want to really dial it in before we roll it out system wide. And so one of the, the kind of conundrums that you face when you're building a marketplace is you kind of almost have to bet, um, am I a marketplace or am I a SaaS business? There's very few uh, examples of people doing it well uh, at the same time. And, and so, you know, you might think about like Upwork uh, is, a, is a marketplace, but they also have some upgrades on both sides of the, of the transaction for SaaS. But there's very, very few uh, examples of, of players being able to do both well. So we're really dialing it in until we roll it out. Yeah, I mean, and so just to be clear on 5 million of transaction volume through your platform in a month, that's about $25,000 to you guys in terms of revenue. So your guys' run rate right now, it sounds like it's something around $300,000 a year. It's a little more than that. But yeah, that's in the ballpark. Okay, on processing volume of something like $60 million. That's right. And can you take more than 5%? You can, um, but the problem is the the more the more that you take, the uh, the increase that you get in terms of this interest in the platform, this intermediation. Uh, you also don't get the, the value of suppliers bringing on their 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 demand because we also have that occur. We call that vendor led traction, and so for us, it, we we are building the platform to make this entire industry run so much smoother. And so if we take if we start dialing up the like. 10, 15, 20%, then, then the whole thing starts to unravel. And that's kind of, you know, we've seen in the last six years, there's been some other Uber for lawn mowing service uh, startups come and go. And between all of them, they probably crashed about a half billion dollars of capital into the ground. And it's because they've been a little too greedy on the take rate. So for mm -hmm. us, we have a long view of, okay, we're going to take a very small piece of the transaction. Uh, we're not going to be too greedy about it. So the service provider can run their entire business on our, on our software and make material income doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. Yeah, because you've been bootstrapped. Now, if you're doing sort of a $300,000 run rate today, where were you exactly a year ago? Uh, right about half that. So we've been doubling every year. And so in the early days, we, we were, you know, the numbers were very, very, very small, but at least we were still doubling. And yeah. so, you know, we've, we've set out an objective to double every single year. Um, and, and we're going to continue to do that as long as we can. At some point, we're going to reach the law of large numbers. But for us, you know, if we can double year over year, we're doing good. I mean, and I will tell you, I know you stated, and you're right, actually, on a net basis, there are very few companies that get marketplace plus SaaS right. But I can also tell you, there's a lot of some of the fastest growing SaaS companies are ones that start off as a big agency or a marketplace, because the second you build software for these landscape folks, your service providers, you already have a base to sell it into. And if you can add enough value, they're willing to pay 20, 30, 40, you know, 50 bucks a month. So if you get 10% to your 10,000 paying 30 bucks a month, boom, you just doubled your business. That's another 30 K a month in MRR. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's really kind of exactly our thought sequence as well. And, and, you know, we, we're always having to tell investors, no, thanks. Uh, you know, we get VC uh, interest on a, on a ongoing basis. And, but that's something they always point is like, you've got to figure out the SaaS piece of it. And so for us, you know, that's something that, that we're looking to tackle, but uh, it hasn't even been um, in the conversation until now because we still needed to distribute this thing nationwide. We're now in every major city in the United States 
and we're going out for the smaller markets now because we have to grow this thing on a city by city basis. And so, so we're just now at a point where we've got several thousand ser- uh, service providers using it. Now we're at a point where we can start thinking about, okay, how do we layer on some premium tools that we can charge 10, 20, 30 bucks a month for? And do you have plenty of runway? I mean, are you profitable today? Yeah, we're profitable. Um, you know, we're growing through COVID. Uh, you know, we're riding the wave of kind of this contactless ordering, uh, you know, wave that we're seeing. Uh, and so for us, we're, we're profitable. I've slept well at night during this crisis. You know, like we're default alive, I guess you could say. That's great. So that's a great place to be. Now, the first three, four years really, really, really sucked because, you know, my co-founders were living on like $10 a day food budgets and, and uh, you know, there were no salaries for a very long time. It was like, hey, can you live on $200 this week? You know, and yeah. so it's, 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 it was really, really hard in the early days. But luckily, here we are now. You know, we're kind of in charge of our own destiny. We don't have this convoluted cap table. We can make the decisions we want to make. And so it's a good spot to be in now. Uh, but it was very much an exercise, like a leap of faith in the early years. Mm-hmm. And what's your team size today? Uh, so three co-founders uh, that work in the in the project. And we have 20 contractors that we use for software developers, designers, content writers, uh, things of that sort. So uh, we're all we're completely distributed, uh, except with the exception of my two co-founders. And, and it works well for us, you know, being yep. able to, to outsource these things all over the world is one of our competitive advantages. All right, Brian, we're out of time. Quick answer to if you can. Famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Ooh, the e-myth. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, <sighs> you can say none. None that map to exactly what I'm trying to do. No. <laughs> Number three, is there an, what online tool do you use the most? Upwork. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, I sleep well. Nine, ten hours, as much as I want. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? I'm single. And (laughs) that's a competitive advantage, too. (laughs) I bet so. Any kids running around or no? No. (laughs) And how old are you, Brian? I'm 40. 40. Last question. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? What do I wish I knew when I was 20? Uh, Focusing on what matters. Looking at what the one, two, or three things I can work on this week and only doing those and not even worrying about anything else. Guys, GreenPal processed $5 million in transaction volume in September here of 2020. That's from 100,000 homeowners paying 10,000 service providers to come cut their lawns anywhere between once and many more times per month. They'll process and do over $60 million in transaction volume this year, growing. They're doubling year over year now, all available all across the United States. They've done this all bootstrap. They're profitable, which is obviously a great place to be. Team of 20 folks as Brian continues to scale the company. Brian, thanks for taking us to the top. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.